I'm Ben Spots. I've been privileged to serve as your Senior Director of Operations since February, and we're glad you've joined us today for our online service. And whether it's been a great week for you, or a really tough week for you, we know that God promises to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of doubt, or through green pastures. And we believe He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we're happy you're here. And uh, we want to be real with you as a staff when we met on Tuesday. We were admitting to each other it has been a tough few weeks. And some of us are down, and some of us are encouraged. So wherever you're at, those feelings are valid. We're happy you're here to worship God. And you can use the chat button if you're watching during our online watch party at 10 a.m. to chat with each other. And there's also a button you could press if you'd like prayer right now for what you're facing. So again, welcome today. We're happy you're here. My name's Kaylee, and it's so good to be able to stay connected in this way. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and you should see the words appear on a screen. Merciful God, we come together to worship longing for tenderness, because this world can be hard. We are longing for light, because our lives are crowded with shadows. We are in desperate need of your direction. Fill us today with your peace. Your spirit is our peace and our path. God, let this be a fruitful day. As we worship, open our eyes to beauty, tune our ears to harmony, the fragrance of your love permeating every moment, the touch of your hand guiding all we do. Together, we wanna taste with delight the joy of your presence wherever it may be. Amen. Uh, good morning, Village. Uh, we are John and Ruth Jordan, and we have the privilege of sharing with you some of the exciting opportunities that we have as, as a church to impact our community and impact our world. One of the opportunities that we have is to help our brothers and sisters in India. Village ministry in India spans 25 years. In recent weeks, India's poor have received the worst consequences of the COVID-19 shutdown. By presidential decree, India shut down their entire country, including all transportation, leaving 500,000 migrant workers stranded hundreds of miles from home. Suddenly, these hundreds of thousands of people, including entire families, were traveling for days without food or water. Believers in India are equally concerned now about people starving to death as they are about the virus. In addition, the thousands of pastors that we have trained and, and helped over the years are now finding themselves without income. This includes missionaries and evangelists, and it's endangering the lives of their families. Your donations to Village Disaster Relief will go to our longtime partners in support of these efforts. Another exciting opportunity that we have right now is working with the country of Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon has been shut down, as you know, in part because of the revolution that began this last October. Presently, about half the population is below the poverty line, and some of the hardest hit people are the refugees. As you know, the uh, refugees uh, amount to about one and a half million people. The government has restricted movement among these people so that even the NGOs, uh, the uh, humanitarian groups, are limited as to who can get into the camps. 
Uh, it just so happens, though, that we have a partnership with one of the largest NGOs in the country. They happen to be a Christian organization that is providing medical care and food to these, or, uh, to these different refugee camps. Your uh, donation to disaster relief is going to provide food and medical supplies to these Syrian refugees. Locally, we have seen unemployment in Oregon soar in recent weeks with over 100,000 people filing for unemployment. Many of our villagers are among those without income. You can help provide economic assistance to village families who are in critical need by donating to the Village Grace Fund. And in addition to this, villages supporting seniors in Beaverton are providing food donations to Meals on Wheels. Uh, Meals on Wheels in one week gained over 700 new clients. And so our donations are, are providing a great service to uh, people in our area. And we're accepting donations today and the following Sundays from 1 to 3 uh, in the contact-free drop-off zone in front of the main lobby in the upper parking lot. Um, in addition to food, we're also accepting donations of diapers, which is at the request of the Washington County Emergency Operations Center. And these can be dropped off at the same time and location as the Meals on Wheels donations. Villagers, we want you to know that you're making a difference throughout Washington County and the Portland metro area by your acts of kindness and checking on neighbors and calling one another. Your food donations have been used to relieve fear and hunger among vulnerable people in our community. Thank you for what you're doing during this crisis to be the light of the world here and around the world. To donate to the Grace Fund and the Disaster Relief Fund, you can give through PushPay app, the Village website, or by mailing in your checks to Village. Thank you and God bless you. Hi Village, Roger Seed here. I took a walk today and I'm sitting in this little green space that's in the downtown Beaverton. It's actually down by Beaverton Creek. There's a creek behind me if you didn't know that there is a creek in Beaverton. And even though I'm surrounded by construction workers behind me, people walking in front of me, and cars driving by, I'm actually in seclusion, which is kind of neat. I think about the time that Jesus, he would take to be in seclusion, to be with the Father, and how it recharged him, and how it enabled him to go to the next level, or to the next task. Uh, and I think that I'm taking a play out of his book here, and just recharging and refocusing on the Father periodically, uh, even away from the ones that I love the most, because Let's face it, everybody needs a break and everybody needs to have that special time. Uh, the time alone in solitude where we can just really uh, be real with God. So, as I value this time alone, I'm also valuing and looking forward to the time that we can all be together again physically. So, thank you so much for being my family. Can't wait to see you again. Hello, Village family. My name is Kyle. And I'm Caleb. We miss all of you, but it is so good to be able to be together in this way. We just wanted to say hello and God bless to all of you tuning in. Hi, I'm Paige. I'm Kate. And we are old village friends. Yes. Kate and I worked together for over 10 years in the village nursery. 
and we miss all the kids, and we miss seeing each other. Yes. So we've decided to get together once a week and have coffee while keeping our distance <laughs> at Village. Kate's been busy here at church. Because I work here, and I've been sanitizing everything every day that I work. So you're going to be safe when you come back to Village. That's right. And we hope that's coming soon. I miss all my Awana kids. We miss our nursery kids. And we hope we can all be together again soon. In the meantime, enjoy your spring. This is the day that the Lord has made. Yes. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Bobby from Chennai, India. And I'm sure you've all been listening and watching on TV of all the plight of the people of our country. In many parts of our country, all over the nation, people became very desperate, uncertain, and unsure on how to move forward. The consequence was many decided their only option was to walk all the way home. Since the time of the shutdown, we've heard stories of how parents had got on their scooters and began to car travel hundreds of miles to go and pick up their children. Another man who traveled on his bicycle almost 1,400 kilometers in order that he could get back to his home. We just have to keep asking ourselves, how can we help them? And I want to say thank you, Jorn. Thank you, Village, for giving us the opportunity to share with you what's happening in our country and what HBI has been doing over these last few weeks. Some of you may never understand all that we've done, but it's been very risky, very challenging, and very intentional. So we've got people who are street dwellers. We have aged communities of people who actually have been living on the street for years who are still there during this period of time. There are also those who couldn't go home. They're migrant workers that ended up on the street. So they don't have help. They don't have food. They don't have work. They don't have a place to stay. They're not being provided shelter. They don't know what to do, and God has given us the privilege. We've been reaching out to people in all kinds of environments, and we had the privilege of reaching out to a group of people from Orissa. What an amazing opportunity it was for us. We went out to their construction site to provide food for them. We asked them, can you actually cook your own food if we brought you the dry proceeds? And yes, they said, now we've provided them with food for the next 10 days, they should have enough food. We also have camps that we've been working at, not only on the street, not, in, not only in construction sites, but also in camps that the government has allotted us so we can go there and feed the people. They didn't want us to give them the rations, they wanted us to feed them. And what an opportunity for us to go there, talk to them, build a relationship with them. One group was from Andhra Pradesh. And the little Telugu that I knew, I was able to use it, interact with them, and discover there are people who have actually become followers of Jesus Christ. And I would ask them, would you pray and ask God to bless this food? And the remaining people who were not necessarily followers of Christ began to hear. You know, during the day of when we were celebrating Good Friday, she prayed a prayer that was amazing amazing prayer that talked about how grateful they were for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You know, it was a blessing for us 
Today, we went to the Oriya people and one of them, as we gave them, prayed with them and said goodbye to them, they said these words in Hindi, Esu Masiki Jai, when they found out we were followers of Christ. And we discovered they are now followers of Christ. What a great opportunity for us, not only to discover there are people who we are serving who don't know the Lord, unconditionally we serve them and discover that God is building us into relationships. And there's a new Calvary Church within walking distance of their construction site. And there are couples in that church that are from Orissa. And we are trusting that God, as soon as he lifts it up, we would have a relationship with them and they would be able to come to the church. And we would have an Oriya service. And slowly, these 15 people that are part of the construction crew may come to know Jesus Christ. I just want to say thank you to you. You've been part of what HBI has been doing, what Lynette and I have been engaged in for almost 35 years. And you know, without your faithfulness, without your support, without your prayer, we wouldn't be doing what we are doing today. But because you have given, because you have been generous, because you've been faithful to help us, and because you're praying for us, we can be fearless, in the midst of a very critical situation, enter into their context and serve them. I just want you to keep praying. We prayed for so many people. We prayed for individuals. Some of you may remember the name Alex, hit by a stroke, lying in there. By the time we went to the third and fourth time, he had a smile on his face. He now knew that we were followers of Jesus Christ and he's beginning to trust in us. My friends, I want you to pray that God will keep these doors open. I want you to pray that God will help us to serve them in this critical time when the coronavirus is hitting the lives of people in ways like we've never seen before. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping Lynette and myself. We're so glad to be your feet, your hands and your mouth on the grounds of India, even at this critical time. Thank you for praying with us. Now it is a corporate prayer time. Here are some prayer items. Number one, pray for our partners in India, primarily churches in Northwest India, as they seek to provide food for hundreds of migrant workers who lack the basic necessities due to a sudden lockdown order. Pray for our partner organization in Lebanon which is one of the few groups allowed to interact with vulnerable people from Syria and Iraq in refugee camps. Pray villagers would be generous in giving toward the Disaster Relief Fund. Number two, pray for the families who are financially impacted by COVID-19 and the vulnerable groups of people in our community. Number three, pray for the village ministry staff who are involved in putting together the video worship services for each Sunday. Many have paused things they used to do before COVID and embraced new responsibilities. Pray for all the challenges of working from home and making decisions about communicating what God is saying and doing across our community. Number four, 
pray for wisdom as our youth pastor search committee continues to interview several candidates and identify the giftings or skills needed for a post-COVID world. Let's pray together for about two minutes and then Brother Stephen Park will conclude in prayer. Lord Jesus, we pray for our partners and for your churches in Northwest India, hit so hard by a sudden lockdown order to provide food and necessities for so many migrant workers. We pray for our partners in Lebanon who are able to minister to vulnerable people from Syria and Iraq. May your grace, life, and love be manifested through their work that all may see the reality of your kingdom even in the refugee camps. For you love the whole world and gave yourself up for it. Show us that even thousands of miles away, we can participate in your kingdom work by giving to the Disaster Relief Fund. We pray for wisdom as we use our Grace Fund to bless and help families in our own village community who have been affected by the virus through lost jobs and income. May the reality of the early saints who so willingly and graciously shared with needy brothers and sisters manifest itself again. May your spirit rest upon the village staff who so lovingly dedicate their time to making the worship videos. May this new normal be looked upon as an opportunity to love and serve each other in a practical way. So bless them body, soul, and spirit that their decision-making and communicating all be done according to your will for the building up of your church. And finally, Lord, we pray for our youth pastor search committee. Bless them with your mind that they may clearly see your will in finding the right candidate who possesses the gifts and skills needed to shepherd our youth in a post-COVID world. We thank you and praise you for who you are, what you have done, and what you are doing. May your spirit continue to move in us that we would actively live a kingdom life according to your word and your desire. Amen. Hi Village, uh, it's good to be with you again. Thank you for joining us for our online weekend services. Um, it's been a, an interesting week, and as I've talked to people from Village uh, and just around the neighborhood, a lot of people are on um, just every range of the spectrum. But in all of that, I've been incredibly encouraged by just the, the testimonies of God's faithfulness that people have been sharing and the ways in which you've been encouraging one another. Uh, so I'm grateful for that. Um, even though we're on every end of the spectrum, uh, we share a lot in common right now. It's an ecumenical moment where we're, we're saying the same prayers, uh, we're thinking about the same things, we're trying to encourage people in the same way. And that's one of the reasons why we've been in the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms are a common prayer book. Uh, it's a book that allows God's people to come together to give a shared voice to what they're thinking and what they're feeling and to be able to take that before God, knowing that God receives and hears uh, the cries of his children. Uh, we're in Psalm 142 uh, today, and I'm excited about that because Psalm 142 is uh, one of my favorite psalms. I read this psalm every day for a month uh, when I was going through a difficult season back in my 20s. And so I wanna just share with you a little bit of what uh, we can learn from these, these seven short verses. Uh, so let's look at the intro and go from there. But it begins by saying uh, in the NASB with the title that this is a prayer for help in trouble. Uh, Psalm 142, 
a mascal of David when he was in a cave, a prayer. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Um, a mascal is a contemplation or uh, an instruction. And so this is a, a prayer for a difficult time as David is in a cave uh, and uh, he is, is fleeing King Saul as Saul is pursuing him. And he is alone and giving voice to um, his thoughts. He's pouring it out before God. It's a form of instruction. Um, if we look at those first two verses again, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. Uh, David is, is starting in a vulnerable position, a transparent position. He's coming fully before the Lord and bringing all of his experience, all of his emotion, and, and starting in that raw and honest place. Uh, the word complaint here could be rendered or translated just troubled thoughts that that David is bringing all of his troubled thoughts to the Lord. Uh, what, is, what is keeping him up at night? What is worrying him about the future? What is causing anxiety or depression? And he's beginning this conversation fully there with the Lord. Uh, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, it's not merely words that you have to utter. You have to lay all of your trouble before God. As a child tells its mother its griefs, Tell the Lord all your griefs, your complaints, your miseries, and your fears. Tell them all out, and great relief will come to your spirit. Um, if we continue in the psalm with verses 3 and 4, we read this, that when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge and no one cares for my life. David had been running from um, King Saul, and Saul had been laying traps for him everywhere, and, and he's all alone in this. He's in the back of a cave. He's, in, in all respects, isolated, lonely, terrified. And as he's in this position, he, he references two things that are familiar uh, in the Old Testament. And the first one is just this idea that there is no refuge. In the Old Testament, there were cities of refuge that you were supposed to be able to go to if you needed rest, if you needed a restart, if you needed reconciliation, but it was somewhere to go uh, and to be, and, and to be out of uh, this, this pain or out of the turmoil. And David is saying he has no refuge and there's nobody at his right hand. Uh, at your right hand is where you have an advocate, uh, you have someone who's coming to your aid, your defender, uh, your friend, and he's got nobody at his right hand. And so as David continues, he's, he's really getting to the heart of, of his pain, what he's experiencing. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what the difficulties have been uh, this week or the last month or two, uh, but those are the, the very real things that we can, in the, the belly of this Psalm, uh, bring forward to God and say that we're feeling those feelings, that we're alone, that we're scared, that we don't know the future. Um, if we continue in verse 5, we get to the beginning of the resolve of this psalm, and it's my favorite part. Uh, David says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Um, David might not have had a city of refuge or a place of refuge, but 
he recognizes in this psalm, in this contemplation, that God is his refuge, that if he can turn nowhere else, that he can turn to God, and that God uh, being available is his portion in the land of the living. Uh, Not when he dies, but in the land of the living, that God is enough, uh, that God is sufficient for him, that God is his portion. Uh, So we often ask the question, where is God in the middle of this? Uh, We could be asking that question now. Um, God, where are you with my family right now? Uh, Where are you with the economy or my resources or my future? Um, And God is there uh, in all of the circumstances, even the most difficult ones. Um, God is there. We might not have the answers. We might not have the fix right away, but we can go to God, seek refuge, and understand and, and, um, and receive the idea that God is our portion in the land of the living, that there's a type of joy that comes from that that we can't find anywhere else. Uh, David continues and, and he says, uh, actually, if I, I wanna just jump to a couple other verses in the Psalms that, that anchor this theme because this idea of God being our strength and being our refuge is uh, a theme all throughout scripture, but certainly in the Psalms. So here's a few instances. Psalm 91 verses one through three. Uh, says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Uh, Psalm 62, one through two, likewise, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will never be shaken. Uh, And then Psalm 46, verses one through three, God is our refuge and God is our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge. God is our portion. Um, It's a powerful, powerful truth if we're able to turn there and look to the Lord for help. Uh, David continues in Psalm 142 uh, and concludes by saying this. He says, listen to my cry for I'm in desperate need. Rescue, uh, Rescue me from those who pursue me for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. That's Psalm 142, the final two verses, verses six through seven. And I just wanna grab hold of that last line that when God delivers David, he pictures this as the righteous gathering around him, that he's no longer gonna be alone, no longer gonna be isolated, no longer gonna be without help, but somehow God will bring the chosen ones, the righteous around him. Uh, It's really interesting in 1 Samuel chapter 22, we read the history behind this psalm. And it it reads like this, that that David left Gath and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Uh, So somehow we see the answer to the psalm, that God really is gonna bring people around David. That's the beginnings 
uh, of the people that are with David, that follow David, uh, as he journeys, escaping Saul, and then eventually is named king. And so we see that David begins this song uh, with a complaint, uh, but he ends encouraged and built up. That He starts low, uh, but he ends with this promise of being uh, set up, uh, lifted up, and strengthened. Uh, that we start this song with David being isolated, but it ends with this picture of him being surrounded by the righteous. Uh, that this is a beautiful psalm that, that brings us not just into the story, because all of the psalms are not just songs, uh, they're stories and they're set in time. And we read them to connect with our story in, in this time. Uh, we know that because uh, a lot of the saints that we've talked to or, or grandparents always talk about a favorite psalm that they went back to again and again because it connected with their life, with their story. And so as David takes us through this, it's ultimately a song of faith and of God's faithfulness. I wanna read something from G. Campbell Morgan, uh, the great commentator, and he says this of Psalm 142, that there are two notes running side by side throughout the song. The first is that of this terrible sense of helplessness and hopelessness so far as man is concerned. The other is that of the determined application of the helpless soul to Jehovah. Um, God is our refuge. This song pulls us along so that we seek God, that we look for him no matter where we start. Um, switching gears, I wanna just tell a story. Pastor Paul brought this up at our staff uh, meeting, but uh, the great reformer Martin Luther, uh, when he had run for his life, spent over a year in a castle uh, called the Wartburg Castle. It's outside of Eisenach in Germany. And I think we can put a picture up uh, of that, that castle. And as he was here, he labored on translating the New Testament into German. Uh, he also began to write his thoughts. And many of, of those thoughts would come into his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Uh, Mighty Fortress of Our God is actually just a paraphrase of Psalm 46 that, that I read earlier. Um, and that castle uh, outside of Eisenach, the Wartburg Castle, uh, it's, it's fascinating. There's a, a whale vertebrae that Martin Luther used as a footstool uh, when he was working on all these manuscripts. And uh, maybe Charlotte will put a picture in uh, so that we have something to look at. Uh, but as Martin Luther reflected on the scriptures, uh, this was his own truth, that he was hid away in a castle, afraid for his life, that he was isolated and alone, that there was nobody that was protecting him, nobody at his right hand, that he sought his refuge, uh, not just physically in a castle, um, but spiritually uh, and figuratively uh, in, in the stronghold or the strength of the Lord. So let me just read the first refrain of Martin Luther's great hymn, he writes this way, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Um, I can think of nothing better than us transitioning to singing this song together, virtually online. Uh, but let's go to a mighty fortress is our God. When we came up with the motto, be the church, it wasn't with these circumstances in mind, but I can't think of a better motto uh, for right now. As David said, we weren't made to be alone, we weren't made to be isolated, 
Uh, we were made to be surrounded by the righteous, to be the church together. So may you return to this truth throughout this week that God is our refuge, our portion in the land of the living. Uh, I want to introduce Nancy Anderson as she's going to send us out with our benediction. But uh, Nancy is a longtime villager and, and was just named the Assistant Director of Pastoral Care, uh, which she's going to be doing as a volunteer. But that's overseeing our visitation ministries, our encouragement team. Uh, and Nancy brings such experience, having worked at another church and then as a chaplain for years before coming to Village. Uh, I don't know anyone that's more joy-filled than Nancy, and so it's a delight to be able to introduce her to you. Uh, Nancy, go ahead and send us out. On Sundays, we gather to worship and to magnify the Lord. And we sing, we pray, we're taught God's truths from His Word, and we're strengthened and encouraged. And we've done that today, and we've done it together. So as we close, I'd like to share a little bit from the prophet Habakkuk, where he expresses his confidence in the God of his salvation. Listen to these words. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, in other words, everything is bleak, everything is gone, yet I will exult in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. And that is Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19, familiar verses. So as with David's um, prayer for help when he found himself in trouble and Habakkuk's declaration and his confidence in the Lord's strength, we too can make our declaration that God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray today together? Oh, Heavenly Father, you who knows all things, you who have, you have all power and all authority in all creation, we acknowledge who you are in your majesty and your glory. We rest in your unchanging character and we draw close to you, Lord, for comfort and direction in the days now and in the days to come. Keep our eyes firmly on you, Lord, so that we might 100% be a part of the kingdom plan that you are building on this earth. We want to walk with you, to know you, and to know what you're doing and to not miss anything that you're doing in our world today. We love you, Lord, and together, we worship you today, and all God's people said, Amen.